0: I said, are going to open the church up for Sunday morning worship service next Sunday. Um, and we are going to continue to live stream the service as well. Uh, next Sunday we may only live stream the sermon and um, not be able to live stream the rest of the service for, for copyright reasons. And without going into all the details, we'll work that out as soon as we can, and they're in the process of doing that already. But the service starts like it did this Sunday at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. Uh, The service next Sunday will start at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. And so the door, the front door of the church will be open at 10.40 a.m. We're going to have access to the basement blocked off. We ask that you do not go down there. There's not going to be any Sunday school or other activities right now. We're just going to have a Sunday morning worship service at 11 a.m. Um, I, I want to encourage you to do several things when you come next Sunday. And and if you're like me, I'm just so excited and blessed that we can get together again. I miss seeing you in person. Um, I think it's, we can be responsible and meet together again now and um, uh, do our best to comply with, with our, our uh, governor and his office and department of health uh, guidance on meeting together so these are the standards that we need to comply with okay you need to come in with a face mask on you need to leave a mask on the whole time you're here okay wear one don't take it off and please um, don't come without one okay wear a face wear a mask the whole time okay Um, Bring with you hand sanitizer and uh, disinfectant wipes. And, and if you have spray that you want to leave here, bring that too. But every doorknob, okay, every door push handle, every faucet in the bathroom, every handle on the toilet, everything you touch, you need to wipe down with a the, with the disinfectant wipe after you've touched it. We're going to ask that only one person at a time be in the bathroom because um, – it's difficult to get past each other and maintain a six-foot social distance in our bathrooms if more than one person's in there. So if the door to the bathroom is open, the bathroom's empty. If the door to the bathroom's closed, the bathroom's occupied. Do not go in there if the door is closed. Okay? So simple instructions. Um, some of us are, are all about abiding by those. Some of us think I don't care, and whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. But but please, if you're gonna come into church. Think of other people, social distancing, no less than six feet, six feet or more between everybody, you and everybody that you didn't come here with at all times, please. Okay, the church um, has some hand sanitizer and disinfectant wipes and disinfectant spray, but uh, we're going to be using a whole lot more than we've ever used in the past. When we start getting together next Sunday morning. So all donations are needed. And all donations are accepted. Please bring to leave here. To add to to our um, supplies. Hand sanitizer. Disinfectant wipes. And disinfectant spray. So please uh, make that part of what, what you plan on giving to the church next Sunday. And we will make use of that. We will make that available when we're here on Sunday mornings. And so. Those are the guidelines that we ask you and I expect you to abide by next Sunday morning. So thank you for doing that. And again, I'm so excited. I can't wait to be together with you again in person. God bless you. And um, remember that that uh, some of us that will be here next Sunday have compromised immune systems for various reasons. And so... You may not care whether you wear a mask and breathe directly or not, but you know what that mask, it helps other people way more than it helps you. And and uh, research has already proven that. So wear a mask to be kind and considerate to the health needs of every other person around you. And so I look forward to seeing you. I'm so excited, and God bless you as you choose to be responsible and we get to gather together here again next Sunday morning, uh, Sunday, May 24th, 11 a.m. Doors will be open at 10.40 a.m., and uh, it's going to be a great time of rejoicing together. With that said, we're going to continue our sermon series, Living in the Last Days. Uh, today's sermon is entitled, Preparing the Next Generation. And our passage today uh, is 2 Timothy chapter 3, Verses 15 through 17, we're actually going to read the whole chapter of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. But the verses we're really going to focus in on is verses 15 through 17. So let's begin this morning by reading the third chapter of 2 Timothy. This passage contains the words where we get our sermon series title, Living in the Last Days. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. But mark this. having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so, also, these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Wow, that's some blunt, even harsh words that Paul has as guidance for uh, his protege in the ministry. Timothy. Wow. Now let's continue on in 2 Timothy chapter 3 at verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Praise the Lord. Man, what a contrast between the first... Part of that chapter, and the second part of that chapter. Good news, good words, good encouragement from Paul to Timothy in this letter and from Holy Scripture to us from the inspired Word of God. Raising followers of Jesus Christ. Let's talk about that. Dr. James Dobson, founder of the ministry Focus on the Family, he once said that before he and his wife Shirley had children, they had three theories on raising kids. He went on to say, now we have three children and no theories on raising children. And so even for somebody of that stature, child rearing, raising children is a challenge. Easily one of the hardest things I've ever done, my wife and I have ever done, is raise two children through their teenage years. No stories will be shared today because I now have a teenage daughter Granddaughter, excuse me, because I now have a teenage granddaughter. She's amazing, and I do not want to plant any ideas in that keen intellect of hers. Lucy and I survived child raising, but only because we had each other. Timothy's mom, Eunice, raised Timothy in a theologically divided home. Maybe you're in one of those homes. The temptations of the pagan world were right outside the front door. No doubt, Timothy's moral values were tested to their limits in the time and place he lived. And Timothy appears by nature to have been a type B personality. He was not the type to seek the spotlight. No one would ever accuse him of being an alpha male. When he left home with Paul on that first missionary tour, Eunice must have worried herself sick. Says his mom. I can only imagine What made her task of raising him in the faith, the Christian faith, especially difficult was that Timothy's father was spiritually absent, physically present in the home, but spiritually absent. It says in Acts chapter 16, verse one, Paul came to Derba and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, meaning a Christian, but whose father was a Greek. Now, this is not just a statement of ethnicity. It's a statement that Timothy's dad held a worldview that included Greek pagan deities and, and the worship of Greek pagan deities and the values expressed in Greek mythology. So is, it would, that was his worldview. That was his thought process. That was where his values were informed. Very, very different and contradictory to the values expressed by the words of Jesus Christ and we find in the Old and New Testaments. In spite of her challenges, in spite of the worries that must have crossed her mind, Eunice was a godly mother. Timothy grew up in a Christian home, and when he became an adult, he remained faithful to God. Credit should also go to Lois, his grandmother, who's mentioned in Scripture too, because she also played a major role in his life. Can you just imagine How proud Lois was when Paul chose her grandson for ministry. I never realized this until I read it somewhere recently, but Timothy is the only second-generation Christian mentioned by name in the New Testament. All the conversion stories mentioned in the book of Acts are first-generation adults. The Ethiopian eunuch, Cornelius, the Philippian jailer, Lydia, Crispus, and Saul of Tarsus, who became the apostle Paul. Timothy's mother and grandmother had a profound influence on Timothy's decision to follow Jesus Christ. As parents, our primary responsibility is to lead our children to faith in Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. As parents, our primary responsibility is to lead our children to faith in Jesus Christ. As a church, we've been commissioned to take the good news that Jesus saved from here to the ends of the earth. But our first responsibility is to point our children to the Lord. So today's passage is where we get the sermon series title from, Living in the Last Days. And again, we want to remember real briefly that Jesus said nobody knows the day or the hour of his return, not even him. So we don't waste our time trying to calculate the timing of his return. Here's what we can do in light of knowing he's coming back. Live every day as if he's returning today, okay? Live every day as if it was your last on earth and you want to live so that you are clean and you are obedient and you're found faithful before Jesus Christ. Live faithful to Jesus Christ. Let's read reread 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, preparing the next generation. 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm actually going to begin at verse 14. But as for you, Paul talking to Timothy, Scripture talking to us, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Wow, I love that passage. There's such power there. and and there's such promise there, and there's such purpose there. Preparing the next generation. First, saturate them with scripture. Only the Bible is inspired by God, okay? So there is no other book or books or writings where God himself expresses himself to us in writing except the Holy Bible. Our children are bombarded every single day With overt and subtle information that contradicts the Bible and a Christian worldview. Back in the day, when I was a kid, it was radio, TV, movies, magazines, and friends, were, were our social sources of information and expression of values, right? But today, it's still all those things, and social media, and a more recent aggressiveness against Christian values at school. Our children face all that today. That's why we want to saturate them with Scripture. To counteract the message the world is broadcasting, we have to be proactive with God's truth. Paul reminds Timothy here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, From infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. The Bible is a one-of-a-kind book. It has no equal. It has no companion in writing. It's the Bible. is a one-of-a-kind book. Going on, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. This imagery takes us back to the creation account when God created humankind. We find that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The breath of life is the Holy Spirit. This act, God breathing the breath of life into Adam, and by extension into each and every human and humankind, this act distinguishes us from every other living creature on earth. When individuals wrote the Bible, God breathed life. God breathed the Holy Spirit into their work. The Bible is not distinct because of the color, the size, the version, or the quality of the paper. It is distinct. The Bible is distinct because it is God-inspired. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalms 119. I'm going to read to you verses 98 through 101. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. So there's the truth and the power of God's word and that is inspired, like humankind is inspired, coupled with faith and obedience to what it reveals to us. A philosopher named Vishal Mangalwadi wrote a book in 2012 called The Book to Made Your World. Mangalwadi was born and raised in India. He studied Eastern religion and philosophy in college. He holds numerous degrees, writes political columns. Last time I checked, has authored 14 books. And guess what? He's a born-again Christian. He's a follower of Jesus Christ. Listen to what he writes. Whether you talk about politics or science, education or technology, the Bible is the key that unlocked the Western mind. The Bible is the key that unlocked the Western mind. The biblical notion of human dignity formed the social structure of Western nations. That's where our values come from. We should be a Christian nation. Not where people are forced to follow Jesus, but that most of us choose to. That's where our values come from. The Bible created fertile ground for women to find social and economic empowerment. What's the beginning of women's rights? It's Jesus reaching out to the woman who is an outcast in society, right in the middle of everybody, stopping his progress through a town everybody watching, all the important people standing there, Jesus reaches out to an outcast woman. That's where women's rights began in the Western mind that informs our values today. The scripture shaped our very concept of education and science. Or consider Robert Boyle, the father of modern chemistry. Um, Boyle looked at the universe As the apex of order, he read the Bible and how God ordained laws that guided nature. Nature is not some self-determining system. Nature operates according to the laws of God who created it. And he, Boyle, made it his mission to discover all of God's laws and became, in that process, the father of modern chemistry. Then there's Johann Kepler. Ever hear of him? You wouldn't understand the solar system without him. Kepler discovered the three laws of planetary motion, and his laws still shape how astronomers view the heavens today. Kepler believed in a mathematical precision of the universe based upon what he read in the Bible. God is a God of order. He put put the stars in the sky It's because God set it up this way, that the sun shines bright in the day and the moon shines um, not as bright at night. Okay? Scripture encourages the heathen, which is a word that's not so popular, um, and people get upset when you use it, but it just means somebody who does not follow Jesus as Savior and Lord, and and uh, who does not allow Jesus and God's word to be the foundation of their worldview? Um, Kepler looked at the world through heathen's eyes so that the world might have a deeper worship of God as creator. That was what um, was underneath all the things that he discovered about astronomy that we still use as the basis of our understanding of astronomy today. Here's my point. These men did not just become wiser than all their teachers in some proud way. They became our teachers. Their research formed the foundation of science, and they formed that foundation based on their belief in God and the Bible. That's the influence that Christian faith and the Bible has in our world at this very moment. These men believe because in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I love that passage. When you are saturated with the Bible, your mind, the computer to your soul, is programmed to live right. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The knowledge found in the Bible is like an inoculation. A vaccine. You want a vaccine? The world needs a vaccine today. The knowledge found in the Bible is like a vaccine it's sin. How do we saturate our children with the Bible? Well, and It's a key question for us today. How do we saturate our children with the Bible? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Saturate your children. Saturate yourself with God's holy word. And for ourselves, And our grown children and grandchildren, Isaiah chapter 46, verse 4. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. That's God saying his name to us. I am he. So um, I love gray hair because if it ain't turning gray, it's turning loose. So I'm in that age. Okay. Um, I feel my age. In the last two years, I've had a shoulder replacement, and I've had a six-and-a-half-hour back surgery. My, one of my great goals for 2020 is not to have major surgery. It'll be the first time in three years. Uh, we're here in the middle of May, and I haven't had major surgery yet, so I'm uh, well on the way to achieving that goal, I hope. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am He. That's God saying, I am God. I am He. I am the one who created you. I am the one who saves you. I am the one who lavishes you with love. I am the one who makes you wise if you will saturate yourself with my word. I am the one that fills you with the power of my very spirit if you will follow me in obedience. Even to your old age, gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. Praise God. Preparing the next generation. Saturate your children with scripture. Okay, we're going to be back in this same chapter, chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, next week, and look at a couple other ways that we prepare the next generation that are revealed to us in this passage. Saturate them with Scripture. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you.